Welcome to the 100th episode of the Colby Cast. Thank you for joining us. On a recent visit to the Colby headquarters in Napa, Jordan and I were privileged to be able to sit down with Colby Academy co-founder, Mrs. Diane Muth. We were able to converse with her about the origins of Colby Academy and the many ways that God provided and continues to provide for the well-being of the school and its mission. Make sure you stick around until the end of the episode to hear a special throwback from one of our earliest episodes. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. And I'm Jordan. As a product of homeschooling, I'm proud to teach Greek and Latin for Colby Online and serve as the Alumni and Public Relations Director. Well, welcome to the Colby Cast. We are very excited. Our 100th episode, and we are joined with one of the founders of Colby Academy, Mrs. Diane Muth. Welcome. Hello. We've had you on here before, so yes. it's nice to talk with you once again. Um, I wanted to kind of go back a little bit for our listeners, talk somewhat about what it's like to start a school. It was quite an adventure because we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, we started because, well, we couldn't, when we moved to Napa, we couldn't put our kids in the Catholic schools because they were teaching sex ed. High school was teaching Taylor Day shirt on and good things like that. And so uh, we had them in public school, and then they were going to put sex ed in the public school. So that's when we decided we couldn't do that. So there were probably 10, 15 families got together. We got right down to it. There were three of us that decided we were going to do that. So um, we started a school. It was just the three families. And one of the families left the, the beginning of the next year because they got transferred out. So it was it really the two couples that carried it on. And uh, we had eight students the first year. And the second year, I think we had 10. And it was very slow. And um, it just, every t- it was financially, it was really difficult. But every time we thought it was done, something came along. Mm-hmm. We, but the, after the first year, we, our teacher was from TAC. She had just graduated. And we had this, rented this little house and she lived in it. And I think we paid her $200 a month. I don't know. So we always brought her food or had her over for dinner. So she, so it was, it was, it was really a, a like a country school we had been in a long time ago. And um, so yeah, they, toward the end of that first year, we were completely done. And um, someone gave us, um, his dad had some kind of stock that was a gold, I think, stock or something. It was defunct. It was just no good anymore. And so uh, it went way up and we sold it. And that gave us like $5,000 that got us through <laughs> going. So it was always something, Colby always came in. Whenever we needed something, Colby answered our prayers. We need to make sure we remember. He was not yet canonized. He wasn't canonized until the next year. We started in 1980, and um, so we've, we've hit those times when things looked um, impossible. Okay, um, one time again we were out, and uh, we had sold we had sold that stock. You know, had it in, uh, some of it in, in the, what you call your stock guy, <laughs> the stock A broker, the, the broker guy, and so we had to sell it, and we were gonna sell half of it, 
And my husband was the bunny man. He knew what was going on with financials. And um, so he sold the whole thing. And they said, we only sold half. So we still had half of it there. And then they caught their mistake. And they said, we know, you know, you don't really have to do that. And we said, yes, we do. It was hard. But they let us pay it off slowly. And then, but always something else would come, whatever we thought it was the end of it. So would you uh, explain to us a little bit about how the homeschool grew out of the day school? Well, it, when we had just started growing, um, we had the school, the day school going, and Robert Spencer was the high school teacher, and he said, we've got to start having course plans. So you teachers all have to make course plans for all of your courses, and that, and they're very skimpy at that time, and then he, I, it was something was, we, some of us just didn't feel like we could possibly do, but he forced us, and <laughs> so that's what, the way the course plans began, become developed is, as they are now. Okay, and how much of a, a practical, hands-on experience was it for you? Did you write some of these course plans? I wrote all of the course plans for grades one through six, and some of them seven and eight. And then as we added books, then um, some of the upper level ones went to those teachers. But in the beginning, it was, um, I, it was most of them those. So I bet when you were first uh, teaching your own children and starting the school, you, you would have never thought, I'm going to be writing course plans oh, for yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> but he, you know, he, he's a, a dynamic personality, and he said you had to do it. You just did it. You, you had to <laughs> learn how to do it and do it. And yeah, so he was the one that was really the backbone of that very beginning. And I don't know where we would, God always seemed to put the right people in the right place at the right time. That seems to continue, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Absolutely. Look what we have now. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Then um, the Wander put in a thing about the uh, U.S. bishops were going to start putting sex education in the Catholic schools. And I was downstairs below here is, was, is where the kitchen is. Well, I was in the classroom right next to the kitchen. We didn't have an office person. Some friend came in later at the office. But it was, so that phone rang off the wall from people wanting to know about homeschooling. Oh. And that's when it started. Now, it, it you're just a few here and a few there. And um, it just, and like I said, every every time something came up, prayers were answered. And prayer, nothing got prayers for kids. I mean. It's, a, it's amazing that, that story with um, selling off the stocks. And you essentially got a, a, a loan because you needed all that money up front, and then you were able to slowly yeah. pay it back. Yeah. And I'm sure God honored that also, the, the obedience of paying back what wasn't rightfully yours. But... I, I believe that's true, yes. It, it, yeah, it always yeah. happened. Yeah, and, and every time that we've talked and talked about Colby, the, the founding, and, and all these needs being met along the way, it's also seemed like Colby has been positioned uh, for the future, so like kind of a step ahead of of things, and it wasn't our doing. Yeah, we knew it wasn't our doing ever, but it was always a financial struggle. It really was. Yeah, but um, anyway, we, we've uh, it's it's been an interesting journey. Yes, yeah. And then we started the homeschool when we finally got a computer. We had one computer, but we were writing we were writing all of our quarter reports by hand. Mm -hmm and sending them off to the parents with individual things. And uh, we have this, this Father Frank Epperson, 
he was in the seminary and he came home. At that time, we had this big thing with the diocese where our bishop was homosexual and uh, was put some away. And he had one more year to go to seminary back to be before he could be ordained. Mm -hmm. And he had no money. So he worked for us that summer. He's the one that got us on the computer. We had no knowledge of computers. And he's now Father Greg Everson. He's in Santa Rosa. He's in at the uh, cathedral, like captive there. Okay. It's too good. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, so so he helped us out with that, but always something came along. It was amazing. So, um, and of course, as oh, even COVID, I mean, yeah, we were doing okay, but wow, we were overwhelmed with new people. People, I don't know how anybody can put their kids in a school where they're teaching what they're teaching kids now. Yeah. I, I, public or Catholic. I yeah. mean, yeah, and, and COVID it was it was this chance for people to to see what was actually going on yeah. in classes. Yes. yes, yes. So that's another example of of where we were prepared to meet a need ahead of time, and and um, well, we were somewhat prepared. <laughs> it was overwhelming here at first. That's that, true. Yeah, <laughs> it was. But, but, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, always the, the right, it, it has absolutely got to be the Holy Spirit taking care of yeah. us, okay? No, we had the big split, too, between us and, and you know, what's Colby Trinity. They started a school, broke away from us and started a school, and it was very painful, very painful. But in retrospect, and Fran was the first one that said it, it's God's will, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and it was, because I think both schools would have ended up being empty and now we have Colby Trinity and I can with COVID it just overflowing over there with new students. Wow. Yeah. So um even it, even then I mean I wonder in the early days, even before that split, what how did you how did you guys handle conflict, internal conflict, I mean with each other? Because it's not always that everybody's always on the same page, I guess. Is as simply as we could, yeah, you know, yeah, you, yeah. Um, Fran was a very um, determined person and a very intelligent person. I mean, he he was all into the um, classical curriculum. He's the one that he was the one kind of the whole thing was a classical curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, my husband was a money person, and he, he sometimes objected to where the money was going. And Margie was the personality. I mean, she she just attracted people like I mean, just every she had so many connections and I was just the dummy so I sat in the classroom <laughs> you were the secret weapon <laughs> no I, I didn't have none of their real talent so I, I was I mean I, well, I had 10 kids and my youngest was a first grader at five years old um, and she was our first first grader but I had had to work with some of my kids at home because they struggled academically in the Catholic schools and um, anyway, so, so I did it. We didn't know what we were doing, really. And then at least you got things like the, we were using the old McGuffey's, which were great. And we came upon the, the you know, that was Fran doing his stuff, found the Catholic National Reader. And now it's, and I swear by it. Mm. You know, it's, um, I, I am still using it with the kids at the day school. Oh. Yeah. So. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about that? Your, your sort of routine now, how you're, you go to the day school and you teach over there still. And... I volunteer over there. I guess you know I can't imagine what I do. I really don't know what I would do. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not 
TV, I don't read it so much, my eyes give out on me. Um, I, I don't imagine, I, as a matter of fact, Easter was kind of hard for me because the kids were not in school. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I, um, I love doing it. I love teaching. I, this year I have all remedial kids because uh, we had a lot of new ones that came in from public schools. And, but at this time of the year, I get really excited. I just, I, feel, I, mean, I just, it's wonderful when you see these kids oh, yeah. really blossom. Reading and writing is what you're teaching. Oh, right? you read, they, language arts. Language arts. They can't even do math if they can't do the language arts. Right. And really, it's, it's. Uh, yeah, so you're, you, you go over there and teach and then you come over to the. Just to, you, get to check out what's going on. Right? Yeah, make sure everyone's working. No, 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 <laughs> make sure I've got to, I have so little to do here now because it, it's all done remotely. And I'm not, I can't do what they're doing remotely. Mm -hmm. And there's no way I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you have a desk in there oh, still, yeah. though? Yeah. Do you, do I, can, I, I you know when mail comes in, I check it in. I give it to Beth to have her scan it and send it to the proper advisors and, and that kind of thing. So what, what is your, what is your hope for the future of Colby? I, I see the homeschool, well, unless the government comes down. Hard. I see the homeschool really continuing to, I mean, with the way things are going in the world, I can, can see it will really continue to grow. Yes. Yeah. I think so as well. Yeah. Yeah. You, I'm sure even years ago, you couldn't have expected the kind of growth that we've had. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it was very little, but you know, uh, we couldn't have taken too much too soon either because we wouldn't have been able to handle it. Right. And and um, and I think the classical curriculum is one of the things that really attract a lot of people. And you know, it's so flexible too. Mm -hmm. that, that you know, well, not of all our kids in the homeschool are geniuses, and but they they can get through. And not everybody's supposed to go to college either. So. Yeah, that's right. Right. I think it's just really interesting. I mean, now it's set up so that when a school goes bad, or if these things come up locally, it's it's nice to know that people can turn to a place like Colby and there's a built-in time-tested solution. Well, that, that's what happened with COVID really, is that they, the word got around and, and they, um, they knew they, they couldn't do, the, do it by themselves. And especially the high schoolers, you know, the junior high, high schoolers, the parents work, so many parents have to work mm -hmm. full, yes. full time just in order to feed the family. And, um, to put them in a Catholic school is prohibited, like thirty thousand dollars a year or something for under you know lower education. So anyway, it's a it's a real godsend for for many people. What would you tell a, a parent who wants to try Colby, but maybe the spouse isn't very supportive? Pray. Pray. <laughs> you do have to. You do have to have cooperation. And I will talk to the spouse if, if the spouse wants to talk to or any of our advisors would yeah it's um it's it's a struggle um you have to look at what's best for the kids but not all kids can be homeschooled either i mean some of them they just would not do anything yeah because they would not cooperate with the parents but this should start before they're old enough to be in school so it's the way you start raising your kids too yeah I find it so interesting that Colby did not start out at all with the idea of becoming a homeschool. When I was hired, it was just starting the online academy, but that was sort of a 
like a secondary thing. It wasn't, you know, and how it's kind of grown into now there's the online academy as well. Um, I, I guess uh, if, if you could, if you could go back and talk to your 1980 self, what would you tell, what would you tell her? <laughs> I don't know what I'd say. Yeah. I, what would I say? We had no, I mean, had no idea that this was going to happen. I mean, like I said, it was not in our hands. It was absolutely Hobie and the Holy Spirit working through the people. It's a, it's amazing. I mean, when I look back to see 1980 and it was going to be just for a few years for our kids. Yeah. That, and the, that whole story of, of Maximilian Colby not being canonized yet, yet choosing his name. Um, what, how did... Okay. They had this Stanley Interanti. You know him? He's from Orange County. He was a, a, an officer. We were very um, involved in the pro-life movement um, since before the Supreme Court decision because it was already legal in California. And, and um, we met Stanley through uh, pro-life and uh, he's, he's um, Polish. And he introduced us to Maximilian Colby. And so that we had this, I think, I think we might have brought it up to the Karate's when we, because we were very devoted to him from the beginning, because it was an amazing story, beautiful, amazing story. And so Stanley's the one who's responsible for that. He, when he first came to us, we were very uh, uh, paranoid. <laughs> so he got a hold of us, and we thought he was a spy, because <laughs> we we did have spies, and we were the first pro-life. Pro-Life Political Action Committee in California. Mm, okay. The one from San Francisco came up later, and um, so we were. I I who hated to speak in. I got um, tapes of that doctor that came was big. See, I don't remember the name again. He made uh, tapes of what to do, and I listened to those tapes. I sounded awful when I did these presentations to usually with with uh, Catholic women's groups and things that we tell about abortion and what it was because people didn't really they didn't know yeah. and then when the Supreme Court I would happen to be the head of the whole thing which I'm never, I'm never a good head um, when when the Supreme Court decision was made and I felt like like I had failed like it was me at all you know mm. so um, anyway we so we just we kept going and they're still busy down there that's uh what about this i don't know the news really do you know Stephen? the the where they at least leaked papers that it looks like the supreme court is like yes yes oh and it came out this morning that that they're not leaked that is really true but mm -hmm. uh even trump said what happened there that the, that should never have happened yes yeah. yeah but see our whole our whole systems are all so messed up mm -hmm. really it's so we hit it pretty hard for this yes. election. But you know, it's, it's, they're not going to give up. They're not going to give up. Yeah, well, in the, we did uh, a recording together for the for a video one time, and you talked about the hope for the future being these large Catholic families. Yes. Oh, yeah. This, you know, yeah this, you know, people think things can, can get really um, uh, scary. But what happened is that so many of our good homeschoolers and good Catholic colleges and universities, they're getting married to people who have the same values, and they're the ones who are having all the babies. We have a collection right here in Napa that graduated from our Colby Trinity. And then from uh, Steubenville and, and uh, 
uh, MODG and with the one with the, in, on the east there. Oh, St. Mary's. Yeah, all over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and so they're, they're getting married. Many of them are staying close to that area. And they're the ones having all the babies. And nobody else is having babies. <laughs> right. So I'm not, I, I think it's exciting. I'm not going to live to see it. But you guys probably will. You're going to see the young Catholic families taking over the country. And I'm sure this is not just in the United States. Yeah. Because, I mean, look, look at Canada. Yeah. yeah they're, they're in really bad shape there. And it's happening there, too. So um, I know it's, it, it's going to be great. Yeah. You yeah. know, God always wins. Yes. <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those things with that, the sort of behavior and ideas, it's self-destructive. I mean, so... It always seems like the, you get worked up and the devil's going to win, but they can't sustain themselves. Well, just now they're saying the man can have a baby. <laughs> yeah. And I can't imagine putting your kids in a situation, teaching little ones about the birds and bees. Yeah. yeah. And you don't have to, you can decide whether you're a boy or a girl. Jordan and I were just talking earlier in the day just about that how and so this brings how important classical education is because even the arguments they're making today make no sense logical sense whatsoever i mean none i mean all all growing up was always be who you are and don't let other people put you down and just express your personality and now all of a sudden and the you know some of the transgender issues it's like no don't be who you are have surgery and get yeah. medication so you can be something else than and when, when somebody finds out that it's really, it really has not worked, they will not listen to that, those people. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. some, some uh, were convinced that they were the opposite and had surgeries and all that kind of stuff, and they find out it's not true. Yeah, and, and they're, they're, they're so messed up. Yeah. Father Spitzer has really put together some great information where he kind of collects data from secular studies just talking about how all of these issues we're dealing with are just destructive and the amount of suicides the mental yeah, you know, yeah mental illness that comes about because of this is just astronomically greater when you when you think this is an okay sort of thing you, you can't break god's law i guess <laughs> you, you you know and when i grew up i graduated high school in 1952 i didn't even know there was such a thing as a homosexual I, it was just, I know there was a boy in the neighborhood who was a little bit different. But, and I, I would never even thought of it then. I mean, it's many years when I found, then I realized maybe he was. But anyway, anyway, but it, it was just, it was, it was a, really a, an age of innocence. But the evil was working about mm -hmm. at, at Bishop Sheen, too. Oh, mm -hmm. my gosh, my gosh. My aunt who was in and had given me a, some tapes of Sheen. And he knew all this stuff that was going on with the communists and the infiltrations, all this stuff way, way back. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. My wife's father was uh, one of the founders of Thomas Aquinas College. And so uh, father. Uh, so my wife's father, oh, right. oh. Uh, uh, Mr. Marcus Berquist, oh, yeah. uh, and he was one of the founders at TAC. But it was interesting to hear about that, how they were kind of on the communist hit list because they could recognize the damage that yeah. this great education would do for, against their cause. It's, mm -hmm. That's really interesting to me. Wow. You must have known the Shafers. I, th I know them a little bit. I'm sure my my wife well, knows them much better. The, the young Shaper, she taught for us. Okay. Yeah, she was here for several years when in the early 
years. That's that's the TAC, the first Thomas Coins yeah. College. Yeah, yeah. Teacher. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, our our first teacher was from TAC. She she came right out of TAC, and she was the one that taught in the little house. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, yeah, with the little with the little stipend every month. Yeah. Yeah, well, was there anything else you'd like to I don't know. Say? I don't know if I said any use worth that. Oh yes, you did. Yes. Always do. <laughs> well, I, I just I want to thank you. This is, as I mentioned, the one hundredth episode of the Colby cast. And who would ever and, thought of that in my day? Who <laughs> ever thought of that? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, we've um we've been glad to to get you on here in the past and thank you for doing this. Maybe you can come back for uh, episode 200. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> Let me go home sometime. <laughs> yeah, that's Real right. home. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. It's good game seeing you guys again, too. I'm glad you have these things here. Thank you so much. Thanks. For the greater glory of God, welcome to a special episode of the Colby Cast. I'm Hope, a Colby alumna in a phase of life after being a student and before being a parent. I studied communication theory and philosophy in college, then went to law school. Now I'm a complex litigation attorney, an avid home cook, and the fun aunt to my co-host Bonnie's kids. And I'm Bonnie, Hope's big sister. I'm living out the day-to-day homeschooling reality with four bairns in grades between 5th and 10th. We're starting our fourth year of homeschooling with Colby this week. I'm a liturgical musician, podcast fanatic, and heavy library user, as well as a Colby parent ambassador. Rooted in tradition and relevant to the world today, so describes both Colby Academy and its namesake, St. Maximilian Colby, whose feast date is August 14th. How fitting that our school's patronal day is celebrated near the beginning of the school year, at least the online school year, and around the time many homeschools are getting down to business. The story of St. Maximilian Colby's pious life and heroic death may be familiar to some of our listeners, but it's worth repeating for those already acquainted with him and for introducing those unfamiliar. St. Max, as we like to call him, was a Polish Franciscan priest in the early 20th century. He founded several media organizations involving magazine and radio in Poland and Japan, including the widely read Immaculata magazine, and established friaries in both countries. He was devoted to Our Lady. He established the Knights of the Immaculata and sought to foster devotion to Mary. He upheld his own God-given dignity and that of others in the face of World War II atrocities. In 1941, he was arrested by the Gestapo and sent to Auschwitz. After one man escaped, the guards rounded up 10 men who were not involved in the escape to be punished. One cried out, my wife, my children, and Father Colby volunteered to take his place. He died at Auschwitz on August 14th, the vigil of the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. He was canonized in October 1982 by Pope St. John Paul II. The man whose place he volunteered to take at Auschwitz was present in the audience that day. So why is St. Max the namesake of this school? The day school was founded in 1980 by three families. The homeschool got going in the late 1980s and early 1990s. Events in the development and sustenance of the day school coincided with Maximilian Kolbe's feast day before he was canonized. The school was originally called the Immaculate Heart of Mary Academy, that was changed to Colby in deference to the bishop's request. The founding families were obedient to their bishop as Colby was obedient. Similarly, they were devoted to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. They knew of Colby from Immaculate Magazine. St. Maximilian Colby was interested in cutting-edge technology of his time, which also describes the online academy. Both use media to further the gospel of justice and peace. How fitting for the school to be named for a 20th century saint. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Kobe's other patron saint is St. Ignatius. Specifically, Ignatian education was a particular focus of one of Kobe Academy's founding fathers. St. Ignatius was a soldier and a playboy in his early years in 16th century Spain. In the year 1521, St. Ignatius's leg was shattered by a cannonball, which ended his military career. And he had a long recovery period, including multiple surgeries with no anesthetics. He ran out of books about chivalry and romance while recuperating and turned instead to the only available books, which were on the lives of the saints. This led to a deep spiritual conversion. A novel of his life is on our junior high literature reading list for more detail here. St. Ignatius went on to form the Society of Jesus, often known as the Jesuit Order. The Jesuit Order is now almost 480 years old and involves ministries including education and service in 112 countries. Colby draws on the Ignatian model of education described in St. Ignatius's spiritual exercises. We'll talk more about the pedagogy of the Ignatian method another time, as there's plenty to fill its own episode. But for now, here's a preview. It's all about establishing a firm foundation, cultivating a knowledge and love of God, doing all things for the greater glory of God, which is where the school motto comes from, focusing on formation, not just information, training the student's memory, understanding, and will, as well as training the student to think, write, and speak well. Ignatian education uses three tools, self-mastery, activity, and formation of the whole person, which we'll go into on another time. Yes. We began this episode with Colby's description that it is rooted in tradition and relevant to the world today. And our two patron saints are the best examples of this. St. Ignatius's spiritual exercises and educational model developed in the 1500s are a guide for the formation and development of the human person, while St. Maximilian Colby's 20th century Marian devotion and ministry of using both established and emerging media to further the gospel of justice and peace are a guide for both our faith and our works. Subscribe to the Colby Cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.